testing, 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 testing. Many mumbling mice making merry med marbles? Monopoly in the moonlight? Something like that. Well, this is Josh here for Nerds in the Word podcast. Um, I must apologize ahead of time that this episode and a couple episodes in the future are going to be markedly Danless. Um, they are going to be distinctly Dan-free. Uh, Dan is taking a call and a ministry job out on the East Coast, and he's in the middle of a lot of moving and boxes and things and changing time zones and all sorts of other stuff like that. So I told him I would leave him alone for a little while, just a little while. So I'm afraid it's just me, um, and I apologize profusely for that. Um, so, so it basically like, I mean, if you put Dan and I next to each other, like, um, we both went to seminary, but Dan went to class. Um, I would say that would be like the distinct difference, um, between one of the distinct differences between our experience and in theological education. I believe it. I, I, you know, I really think it shows too. Um, anyway, so welcome to Nerds in the Word Bible Podcast. The Nerds in the Word, we are all about uh, high diving into a shot glass, all about taking the smallest little piece of scripture that we can find and and blowing that up and looking in there, cracking it open to see how it changes, maybe how we read something, a story we know very well, or um, maybe uh, a point we've heard in a sermon like 40,000 times. And how does that change it for us if we if we look more at the context and that kind of thing? Um, so that's what I want to do today, and I want to do that too with a, a familiar passage, actually so familiar that Dan and I have talked about it before. We talked about it in this episode called um, something, Frishy, something Fishy About Luke 5 and Baruch 2. It's about a year ago. Anyway... That one's going to be better than this one, but I thought I'd follow it up anyway because I've been researching this passage recently and I just really liked it. So, um, anyway, again, apologizing for um, the Danlessness, um, and it's just me. And my question for you today is, have you ever had a job you were very skilled at? Have you ever worked on a job you were not skilled at with people who are skilled at it? Um... And I think what I think of when I read this passage about Jesus calling Peter and talking to fishermen is is a one terrifying summer that I work construction in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, so I was between things. I had just gotten out of seminary and I was just about to go into a chaplain uh, chaplain residency program and I needed to make rent, so I worked in construction um, and. Most of the time when I encounter tools, I am um, a danger to myself and others, and that summer was no exception. Um, I put on my hard hat, um, and I think I got it at like a used bookstore or something, and I went out and I did construction with these guys, and I was, they called me the preacher, and um, they would say things like, hey preacher, why don't you fill out an incident report before you come to work? Just because I know you're going to need it sometime during the day because something's going to fall on you or you're going to trip on something or you're going to hit yourself with a hammer or or drill something into yourself. Like, you know, I there were no shortage of opportunities for me to do that. And 
but I, I grew to really respect these guys because a lot of these guys were like third generation artisans and they were amazing at what they did. Like they would just put up drywall and it would just go up like it was magic flying out of their fingers. It was so interesting to watch. Um, I was standing there usually like with a broom or something, you know, that doesn't have any sharp pointy edges. Um, but it was, it was impressive. And these guys, um, you know, they, they knew what they were doing. They knew where they were focusing on and they, they knew what the job was and they had gathered the skills over the years, learned them, even learned them from their fathers, from their mothers sometimes. And, and, how they had passed down this this trade and it was just cool to see um so i came out of there with a with a new respect for two things the fact that i am not called into construction work uh, that became very apparent um and and is one of those things that god made expressly clear um the other thing being this this newfound respect for the guys that do the work and and seeing that these guys really are uh really amazing and sometimes i would call what they do a calling um, you know, I remember one of the guys that I worked with and he said, you know, the only reason he ever wanted to work construction, uh, was because Jesus was a carpenter, but he just thought that was cool. And so he, he took it on and he was a fantastic, fantastic at what he did. And he felt like he was, he was interacting with God in that way. And I think that's wonderful. And that's what Jesus did at the workbench, right? But this passage we're going to read today, um, from Luke five kind of talks differently. Luke 5, chapter, or verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the people from the boat, and then he finished speaking. He said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their notes, boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Uh, Luke 5, 1 through 11. Now, this classic passage, calling of Peter, the calling of the disciples, um, it's, it's, you know, it's like the opening credits of the Gospels. Kind of like, and here we have Peter, and here we have Matthew, and here we have all these other people. Um, but they are, it's this story of calling Peter. Peter specifically. Um, so what's interesting here, just a couple of historical points, like what they're using is called trammel nets, and they're these kind of drag nets that they use to catch fish. So don't think about uh, the fishermen in the Bible being like rod and reel guys. Um, it's not that kind of thing. I mean, this is commercial fishing, so they needed to get, you know, 30 or 40 of these things at a time to be able to make a profit. Trammel nets were these nets that they, they had that were made of linen that were very good um, for fishing at night. They're really, really strong nets and big nets. And you go out at night and use them because they could seen, be seen by the fish during the daytime. So they didn't usually use them during the daytime. They used other instruments. Uh, but these trammel nets is what they use at night. Um, and what 
what that brings here is the fact that they've been out all night. They had been out all night doing this. They already knew Jesus. We see that Peter interacting with Jesus before. So they knew who he was. They knew where he was from. It's a small, relatively small area. So they probably had seen him even growing up. They knew, first of all, that he was not a fisherman. And he came to them and told them what to do. You want to know what I didn't do when I was doing construction? Was tell those guys how to do their job. Like, that would have been a very awkward conversation that probably would have ended with me in a dumpster. I mean, I was in a dumpster enough while I was working there. Um, but this one would have, like, I wouldn't have been the one who fell in it. I would have been, you know, placed there. I might still be there. Um, that's one thing you don't do is tell people what to do, especially if you are from another trade. Tradesmen often will not, you know, cross a line. You know, truck drivers don't tell plumbers how to do their job. It's just not going to go well for a truck driver or plumber in that case most of the time. Uh, I think one of the hardest things about, like, the residential craftsmen that come are the guys that just sit there and go, ah, yeah, wow, using a ratchet, huh? Yeah, I got... I got two of those. Fascinating. Great, great. Just let me put this pipe on. Um, yeah, I try my best not to do that. Just leave those guys alone. Um, anyway, so Jesus tells them what to do. Great. He tells them to take their night nets and put them down in the light of day. Also not a great thing. He tells them to put down in deep water. Not something that you do. And yet he tells them to do it. And Peter's response we have worked all night and caught, and caught nothing, but um, because you say, we will do it. He says, Master, we have toiled all night and caused nothing. Master, that word he uses there is a specific word that means something like line boss, like manager, like, I kind of wonder if there was maybe a little sarcasm in it. Something like, okay, all right, fine, Mr. Big Pants. We'll go do this. Deep water. Daytime. Nighttime nets. Sure thing. Anytime. Anything else you would like us to do. So he goes and does that. They pull out the fish, right? They pull out the fish. And instead, and Peter, who called Jesus Master, now calls him Lord. You see how he changed the way he addressed Jesus? Just suddenly using two different words for him. And in Greek, he used the word kurios, which is which is the word that eventually came to be the word that they used to describe Jesus as Lord. Um, it meant uh, political power. It meant someone of power. So he had first called him like boss, and now he is calling him like Mr. President. Um, either political power or there was some supernatural con uh, parts of the word there, um, some supernatural implication there. And that's why eventually it was adapted to the word that they called Jesus, Kyrios, Lord. Um, so, Peter changed the way he was talking about Jesus when he saw that Jesus has disrupted what he thought he was doing. And that's what's interesting about this passage. So Jesus, first of all, tells him how to do his job. And then, actually even before then, Jesus tells them to take their boats and put him out further. So he jumps into the middle of what they're doing. He totally disrupts it. And that's not the greatest idea. I'm a copywriter. And I sit on my computer all day. 
and I write words. I do not want the local whoever to come and sit down in my chair and write on my computer, especially working on one of my pieces. And that is essentially like Jesus just disrupts what's going on in Peter's life and then sits down in his chair and takes his remote and changes the channel on the TV. Jesus does all that, disrupting Peter, then tells Peter how to do his job and gives him a bad idea. Night nets out in the deep water. All kinds of bad ideas going on. And that's what works. And that's what's interesting about this passage is that the teaching that Jesus is sharing with the people, all of those things, none of it is recorded. What's recorded is a conversation with Peter. There are so many people on there watching Jesus that he has to go into the water to get away from them. And yet the record we have is his conversation with one man. One man, his one-on-one with Peter, telling him how to do his job, sitting in his chair, in his boat, directing things on the lake that Peter has been fishing since before he was born. And Jesus disrupts that. So Jesus, taking this face-to-face, one-on-one, that's a situation we sometimes end up in, isn't it? Where I, I think of like, you know, times that I've been in, in a situation, life is going by, whatever, and suddenly somebody comes at me and starts talking to me about something I've been praying about. Or something I've been wondering about or worrying about. It's like God takes me by the collar and does this one-on-one, this nose-to-nose conversation with me about whatever it is that I'm concerned about, whatever it is that I'm, that I'm thinking about, whatever it is that, that he needs me to do or that I need to change because he's been watching and everything else kind of gets drowned out just for a moment. And he uses that to heal, to, to address, to change us. Peter, who was comfortable where he was, who was the expert where he was, who was the man where he was, most likely Peter was the manager, over these guys, ran these fishing crews. And suddenly, he's the one who's disrupted. And Jesus knew Peter. And to Peter's credit, he reacted like only Peter does. He's just jumping off the boat into the surf and screaming, get away from me, I am a sinful man. All these things where where we see Peter's impulsiveness and all this stuff that got him in trouble later. Um, You know, all the times that he was impulsive, all the times that he was sort of laughably human. But in this moment, he's the one who made the leap out of the boat. And Jesus knew that. Knew that's how it was going to go down. And he knew that Peter's impulsiveness would be the way he would be him making this decision quickly and he needed somebody like that lord the lord you know the lord never needs nobody but that he he knew that peter would be 
such a great addition to the team because of this quality of being this hothead, emotional, decision-maker guy, intuitive Peter. And on the other end, you have somebody like John, who sort of sat in the shadows and came and went and, you know, seemed to be observing things, writing his gospel after everyone else wrote theirs, observing things and taking his time rather than jumping in and jumping out of the boat into the surf like Peter did. And God used that. God embraced that. God took him nose to nose and said, I want you for all your imperfections because we're going to make those into what's good. We're going to take your hothead aggression and make it into leadership. We're going to take your split-second decisions and make it into action. We're going to take your big-heartedness and make it into love. Yes, Peter denied Jesus when he was out by the, the charcoal fire, out at night, watching Jesus through the windows on trial. He denied Jesus, but he was the only one who was close enough to do that. How do you think we have those stories? Peter told those stories, and Peter got all this information because he was there. All the other disciples had disappeared into the night. But impulsive, hothead Peter was the one who was there. God knows who you are. Jesus knows who you are. He knows your shortcomings, and he can make those into what works for his kingdom. He can make those flaws that you see into glory for him. If it wasn't for generalized narcissism, no one would ever preach. There's a certain egocentricity that's a struggle for a lot of pastors. I know a lot of them have been one. But there's also a boldness that's the other side of that coin that means that you can stand up and say something. God knows our shortcomings, and he still tells us to cast out into deep water. Dan will be back soon. Um, again, sorry about that. Pax Humana. Cheers. Cheers.